The following production was originally produced by Cath 910AM, the Guadalupe Radio Network. Well, welcome to the program. This is Jonathan Sanford, the provost at the University of Dallas, and this is the Good News at the University of Dallas segment of the Good News Show. So thanks so much for listening in, and I'm very pleased to spend some time with you this afternoon. Bob, just to remind those who've listened before and, and to tell those who are listening in for the first time what we're doing here, we're, we're providing an opportunity for our listeners to share in some of the intellectual formation that we provide at the University of Dallas. We are the only Catholic university in North Texas. We are a university of, of significant national ranking, but we primarily want to reach out to um, those who are in our area, particularly through this program. And at the University of Dallas, we, we seek to foster wisdom, truth, and virtue in each of our students and those who participate in our other activities. I have a very special guest today, Dr. Brian Murray. He's a professor of management at the University of Dallas, and he's also a vice president and CFO. So he's in charge of finances and human resources at the University of Dallas, which is a, a big task. So welcome to the program, Dr. Murray. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Great. So um, what we've been doing on this program, each segment, is focusing on the one hand on a particular virtue. Um, we started with the cardinal virtues. We went through the theological virtues. We've gone back to the cardinal virtues. There's always more to say and to explore about them. And the topic today is the virtue of justice. And that's a, a very appropriate topic for a conversation with Dr. Murray. He both studies justice with respect to his management um, expertise and applies justice in a variety of ways through his, his administrative office at the University of Dallas. And this also provides an opportunity for us to, to tell our listeners about the fact that we actually have a thriving business program at the University of Dallas. We've been focusing on the liberal arts side of the house, and indeed, that's a significant part of what we do. But we have an undergraduate business major, and all of our undergraduate majors take the full core. You've heard me talk about the core quite a bit. So all of those majors, they go through the, the full core that the other students take. And in fact, they take an additional philosophy course and theology course. And we also have a thriving graduate program with MBAs and MSs and, and a doctorate in business administration as well. And Dr. Murray has taught in that for a number of years. How long have you been with the university, Dr. Murray? About 17 Years. I was, came in fall 2001. Great, great. So, you know, I, what what is management as a science? Sure. Um, uh, management focuses primarily on the study of uh, coordination and control, supervision and leadership of individuals in the workplace, uh, getting work done through production through uh, through people. And so, it's mm-hmm. it's heaviest emphasis on people, but certainly on the operations side, we have a emphasis on production and services. Great. So we, some of our listeners might be managers. Um, um, nearly all of our, our listeners have worked under managers. Some of them might say have suffered under managers. What, what makes a good manager? Um, a good manager uh, probably is uh, exemplified by their ability to balance uh, the needs of the, the organization institution with a recognition of the needs of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the work in leadership as part of a manager has focused on servant leadership. Uh, a good manager is someone who can not only get work done through a person, but develop that person at the same time mm-hmm. to the full extent of their interests and abilities. Okay, great. Thank you. 
So uh, I know that you you love to teach. I've, I've seen you do things that look like teaching when you when you've conducted conversations through um, town hall meetings on campus and and meetings with the board of trustees. And what what drew you to teaching? Um, probably two things. Uh, one, uh, my, my background is human resources. One part of which is is training and facilitation. And uh, just a, a, an enjoyment of uh, working through a topic with folks, helping mm-hmm. them to understand it, drawing out of them, especially as a facilitator, uh, their input to the conversation and their growth in the conversation. Uh, the other part is uh, just an inherent want to teach. As, mm-hmm. as I was preparing, I came up through a, a background in management, hospitality management specifically, and chose human resources. As I look towards the future, asking oneself, what part of this do I want to do? Uh, it was really the part that I want to teach other people about this, mm-hmm. to share this particular um, part of, of the world of business mm-hmm. with others. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. So so I, I know you went to Cornell for your, your Ph.D., and, mm-hmm. and were we the, the first stop after, after your graduate work? Uh, no, uh, following uh, Cornell, uh, I went to teach at a Hispanic-serving institution in the state here, University of Texas at San Antonio, and was mm-hmm. there for um, six years mm-hmm. and uh, transitioned from there to the University of New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. New Hampshire is a very cold place. Yes, it is. I came back to Texas, <laughs> okay. and that's when uh, I was drawn to the University of Dallas. Uh, people mm-hmm. I taught with at UT San Antonio mm-hmm. uh, had moved up here to Dallas and spoke very highly of it. One of them joined the faculty ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they really helped me learn much more about the institution. So University of Dallas is a Catholic university. Management is taught in all kinds of universities. What 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 makes teaching management at the University of, of Dallas different? Um, especially at the undergraduate level, where we have a primarily Catholic and Catholic-interested population, it uh, informs the conversation differently. We can talk about Catholic social teaching and social justice mm-hmm. uh, in addition to the more traditional uh, discussion of questions of uh, business and society that are normally from a, a, a sociology or an economics or a psychology standpoint. Mm-hmm. So it informs the discussion in, in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, it, it, it seems to have some impact on, on the graduate level as well, but but less I know we have many graduate students who, who aren't necessarily Catholic, whereas most of our undergraduate students, uh, um, most by a lot, are are, are Catholic. Um, but but certainly the way in which we we treat issues of of fundamental responsibility and and uh, the fulfillment of obligations to um, society and uh, the the norms by me- by means of which our our uh, graduate students are taught to to exercise their professions and, and in fact, live their lives are, are informed by Catholic social teaching as well, it seems. Yes. Uh, it, 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 in the classroom, it provides an opportunity to um, uh, go beyond a, a purely economic or a secular approach mm-hmm. and provide a foundation for why one does what one does or why one uh, approaches uh, difficult or challenging issues in a, in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I... Um, when I think about justice, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind, of course, is Aristotle. Um, and I think that's pretty natural for everyone, right? Right. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> but yep. Aristotle argues that that um, there there are different kinds of justice, right? So there's a, a general justice, and this is justice that that um, 
seeks to, to give each his or her due. This is justice that includes all of the virtues. So he, he says that, that justice in the, in the general sense is always someone else's good, right? We, we promote the good of others through justice, but it's, it's a, a kind of perfection of the other virtues insofar as it brings them to the service of, of others, right? So justice has this, this other regarding dimension to us, to it. Um, he also, and, and St. Thomas Aquinas follows him closely on, on this division. He talks about, um, corrective or, or, uh, uh, retributive justice, the same thing, uh, where this is the kind of justice that you find in the law courts, where somebody's violated this, somebody's violated that, and restoration needs to be provided. And then there's a, a second particular type of justice, and this is distributive justice. And it, it reflects upon what's, what's fair and proper, um, with respect to the merits of a particular person or an institution. And, with with regard to management, what what do, do any of these fit the way that you think about justice, or or is, is Aristotle just too old school for the the contemporary science of management? Oh, not too old school at all. In fact, um, in the contemporary study uh, of management from from a social psychology background or sociology background, um, it's it's really the jumping off point. Distributive justice uh, was the start of a intensive. Uh, program of study that's been going on for really um, three decades now. The mm-hmm. 1980s uh, started to question whether distributive justice was enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in looking at management, uh, distributive justice answered the questions about whether people in the workplace were getting outcomes appropriate to what they were doing. Um, what we found and what's been demonstrated uh, repeatedly and, and refined is that uh, there's actually uh, distributed in the workplace, there's distributed justice and procedural justice. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just enough to ask, did the outcome, uh, was it appropriate mm-hmm. to the situation of the people, but how was that outcome determined? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the work has been very interesting in uh, clarifying those two and looking at how they interact and how people think about them in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, findings like um, a person can be unhappy with the outcome they got, the distributive justice, but as long as the procedural justice, the steps that were taken mm-hmm. were just, um, they found satisfaction in the whole mm-hmm. uh, of the situation. Um, there's actually subsequently been an expansion to another form of justice, interactional justice, which um, asks the question, when a procedure has happened and a decision has been made about the outcome, mm-hmm. was it communicated in a professional, empathetic uh, way that respected the dignity of the person mm-hmm. for whom the decision was made. Mm-hmm. So there's been this real uh, complex development of what justice means and how people experience it in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and probably the, the most recent findings that I, I think are really interesting, uh, a good colleague of mine up at Michigan State has actually been studying the question of uh, whether people inherently understand justice. Mm-hmm. And he, he studies it with something called FMRI, mm-hmm. MRI studies where they look at the brain oh. and um, really asking the question, do people inherently understand it? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's finding things like it is written, God wrote it in your brain. And mm-hmm. he not only wrote justice, the question of justice, but he wrote this complex understanding of it. Different mm-hmm. parts of the brain are enacted or engaged 
when a person thinks about the procedural justice of how they've been treated or how a decision was made. Mm-hmm. And a, another part of the brain is activated when they think about um, the, the outcome they got, the distributive justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- this is really something inherent to the human person that they perceive justice, people perceive it consistently, mm-hmm. and they perceive these um, multidimensional aspects of justice. So it's, it's really a very interesting area of management studies. No, that's that's fascinating. I I, I do think this this th- there's a lot um, to this notion of of justice being something that's that you know, to use a, a computer metaphor. It seems to be hardwired right. in, into the way that we think. I I just a uh, an anecdote to to uh, come out of the more the the more theoretical for a moment but i was i was reading a, some philosophical text in graduate school and, and our two oldest sons were in the bathtub and i was supposed to be watching them and i, I was mainly reading but i um i got my, my attention was distracted by them because i i noticed that one had taken a toy away from the other and one was 3 and the other was was 1 and the the one year old um, had the toll the toy stolen, and so he stood up and he popped his brother on the head, and he took back the toy and he sat down, and the older brother didn't cry. It, it, there was kind of a recognition on his face, like yeah, I I deserve that, and he grabbed a different toy and and they went about their bath. You know, end of story. Right. But but there was this this clear. Exchange that had happened. You know, somebody had had been violated, and um, he justly took back what had been unjustly taken from him. And and um, maybe if we had an MRI in my older my older son at the time, we'd we'd see whatever your your colleague is is finding mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and probably some of the other things that are interesting about it are, are the forms of justice uh, within the distributive justice the kinds of rules we use within the workplace, reciprocity mm-hmm. versus uh, some other form of, uh, of a utilitarian outcome or something right. uh, has been useful. On the procedural side, it, it's been very useful for management in that uh, people have generally accepted rules or guidelines on mm-hmm. what makes something just, the criteria upon which it's based, the unbiased and consistent application and opportunity to question uh, so when I look back at your example of your sons, it's it's in their brain really to have mm-hmm. these rules of what's a right outcome and what's a right way to get to it. And that there are some commonly accepted rules across people mm-hmm. that, that we mm-hmm. found mm-hmm. as we look at, at justice from uh, how how people form their notions. Now, the the uh, we're, we're talking about brains here that mm-hmm. the um, the the philosopher in me wants to talk about the relationship between the intellect and the brain and sure. the, the imagination and of course um, for our, our our listeners' sake I'll I'll just say that that Aquinas recognizes that that we need we need a brain a lot of the work that goes into our our mental activity is drawn from from brain activity we we sort through all kinds of um, information that's obtained through our our senses. He argues that the act of thinking itself, though, is a, is a spiritual activity, right. and um, but one that could not be performed were it not for the the supporting activity of of the physical organ of the brain. So I, I don't want our listeners to think that we've gone all materialist on <laughs> right. them here. We we certainly recognize the the need for for the intellectual soul and, and with respect to these kinds of of reflections. So. Um, 
when 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 you're looking at procedural justice, I, I think you've laid out some of some of the markers for um, what is required for the process to achieve uh, have have been done fairly and and rightly. Um, the steps have been taken, and um, when when you're looking at the question of distributive justice and its relation to procedural justice, what what are the the markers of of merit that um, um, are driving the way you think about distributive justice, right? So if, if you say this employee deserves a wage of this sort and uh, benefits of, of that value, what deserves why? What, what, what makes them deserving? I, I think that is, uh, from a worker standpoint, uh, people you have different frames of reference about what makes it deserving mm-hmm. and people are looking at a couple of things uh, one is a, an effort input to output mm-hmm. uh, one gives and one should receive at some ratio of, of the two uh, but people are, are educated in economics and live in an economic environment and understand uh, markets and external benchmarks mm-hmm. And so there's this um, not necessarily competition, but comparison between uh, what one feels one should deserve based on the trade-off, and then what one gets because of where the market is. And so mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a balance between those two. Mm-hmm. I, I think that most people in the workplace are, are trying to find mm-hmm. uh, some of the studies we do. For example, uh, there's something in looking at people's pay called external competitiveness versus internal consistency. Mm-hmm. And my internal consistency is what I give the organization, what I see the people around me giving, mm-hmm. and what they get and what I get for it, uh, and, and that's pay and, ben- and determines pay and benefits. But yet I know that if I went out to market, mm-hmm. I would get this much money for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, institutions and the people inside of them, uh, either explicitly or implicitly, Make this comparison in this trade-off. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's a balance. Mm-hmm. Great. So just to remind our listeners, or if you just tuned in, this is the Good News at UD show. This, I'm Jonathan Sanford. I'm the provost at the University of Dallas, and my guest today is Dr. Brian Murray, professor of management and also vice president and CFO of the University of Dallas. And we're talking about justice. And I, I want to go back to, to something you had said a uh, 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 a few minutes ago, you, you mentioned the word dignity, and um, you also used the phrase Catholic social teaching. So um, uh, could you tell us a little bit about Catholic social teaching? I mean, what, what is that, and, and how, does that, how does that factor into the way you think about justice? Sure. Um, and this is my limited perspective and understanding and knowledge on Catholic social teaching and the general tenets. Of, of social justice and, and Catholic social teaching and, and the workplace. Um, I, I draw uh, most of how I talk about it and think about it from uh, papal encyclicals on the question. There's been a long and rich history of Catholic teaching on human dignity in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the primary authors, uh, more contemporary, but primary authors of it, St. John Paul II, mm-hmm. who talked about work and the dignity of the person and the dignity of the person at work um, and defined uh, dimensions upon which we have to be particularly uh, 
cognizant or or uh, careful in the modern workplace mm-hmm. uh, uh breaking down barriers and pers- and protecting the dignity of a person uh without regard to gender race dis- in fact he was one of the leaders in defining a person with disabilities and what mm-hmm. that meant for their dignity and treatment mm-hmm. at work mm-hmm. he also defined what it meant to uh have um a family mm-hmm. and work mm-hmm. so what we think of in the workplace as work work family or work life balance he mm-hmm. defined as the ability to have a family and, mm-hmm. and raise it mm-hmm. um, and of course just questions of pure equity and personal development and growth mm-hmm. are all dimensions that catholic social teaching talks about mm-hmm. and and are components of being a human being in a social situation uh, providing work and being uh, taken care of uh, in the provision of that work. You know, one of the things I loved about St. John Paul II's Laborans Exercens is mm-hmm. is the way in which he emphasizes how, you know, we, yes, we we provide work, but work fundamentally is humanizing, right? It's 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 part and parcel to our very nature to be engaged in work. We're fulfilled through the work that we do. So, what what responsibility do employers have to to make sure that the the work that their employees are engaged in is is humanizing. I, I think probably the the uh, clearest example or point of that uh, that uh, John Paul II uh, pointed out was the the development of the person. Mm-hmm. That uh, that certainly a person's work, ability to work, opportunity to work was part of their human dignity, and and we as the person or institution providing that opportunity has a responsibility. To help that person grow and develop within whatever that vocation or career might be, mm-hmm. uh, so I think that's the the strongest point of how to support and build one's dignity aside from questions of just regular treatment of pay benefits and mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. So the the work needs to be fulfilling. It needs to be productive, and and yet. St. John Paul II also was so clear on on not seeing somebody's value. As tied up in, in the outcome or, or right. the utilitarian result of, of what they they produce, right? Right. It was it's part of um, really fostering the dignity of the person doing mm-hmm. the work, mm-hmm. and 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 in their doing the work, they're providing a good. That's right. that's part of their dignity, and we as the employer are providing the situation and uh, the fertile ground in which they can grow mm-hmm. in doing that. Yeah, it, it seems like so often. Um, in, in our society, we, we find examples of people who regard workers only from the viewpoint of, of what they provide and not, not recognizing the, right. the intrinsic dignity that, that is the cornerstone of, of Catholic social teaching. And, and what, any, any thoughts on what drives that tendency to, to just measure a person's value by their, by their, their production? Um, modern, and it's not very modern, it's kind of old now, but, modern industrial thought and the way we educate students. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spend a great deal of time on uh, the early industrialists who uh, taught us that piecework pay, mm-hmm. that a person was the production that mm-hmm. they put uh, out there. Uh, um, it, it dominated the early part of the 20th century, mm-hmm. and uh, it's still taught as a basis of management to this day. So there are many people out there with MBAs and BBAs and other degrees um, who were well-grounded 
in production and output thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, now, fortunately, there's a whole other school of thought, a human relations school followed by a human resources school mm-hmm. um, and a leadership school that, that have uh, in some ways corrected, some ways expanded that thinking to include the necessity of the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they have a, a fault, and this is where maybe secular and Catholic social teaching differ, uh, the fault of even correcting or expanding a pure industrialist thinking on it is that even it is utilitarian. Yeah. I treat people well so they're satisfied, and then the question is, does satisfied lead to additional production? Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's I, I, that's apt, it seems to me. And mm-hmm. and the good news is that it's it's correctable, right? If right. If, if if this idea took root, uh, there are ways to um, counteract it through reasoning, and this is part. Part of why universities exist, right? To get the right. story straight, to advance knowledge, and, and to do the good work that needs to be done in order to um, enhance our our social order. So, um, bring, bringing bringing all of this together, so your your expertise in management and your thoughts on Catholic social teaching and justice in particular, with with your work as as a, a vice president and and CEO. CFO, I keep wanting to say CEO, (laughs) CFO um, of the University of Dallas. You know, um, do you do you is the way that you approach your your administrative job informed by your your theory? Absolutely. A hundred percent. And it's it's probably a uh, benefit uh, that I have that a lot of other folks in my type of position don't have, uh, although some private corporations are trying to do it, and that is that we can bring in uh, uh, thinking from a a Catholic perspective or a Christian perspective into forming policies and procedures that are are grounded in uh, the question of how to support and develop human dignity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably a couple of examples. Uh, My best example, something we do at the university, um, while many Organizations have had employee participation programs. Uh, we have an employee culture climate committee mm-hmm. that works on just the question of, of dignity mm-hmm. and what we can do based on the teachings of John Paul and others uh, about making the workplace experience reflect that focus on dignity. Great. Well, thank you. And I, I think we're down to about um, 10 seconds or so. And normally I like to end with, with thinking about what to read. So look at the encyclicals, the Compendium yes. on Catholic Social Teaching. Thank you, Dr. Brian Burry. Yep, thank you. For more productions like this, you can visit us on SoundCloud or iTunes by searching University of Dallas. Thank you for joining us. 